this is Gilbert Gottfried, and I'm here with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and this is Gilbert and Frank's amazing colossal obsessions. It's like and, Orson Welles. You're just, yes. you're, just <laughs> you're so silky smooth. The Martians are coming. The Martians are coming. Colossal obsessions. We just had uh, the legendary Buck Henry on the st- on the show telling us a very funny Orson Welles story, and. and- the helicopter story. Oh, yes. Which we'll talk about. Finally, someone who was there. In a future episode. And, oh, and can we talk about... Uh, we'll do that with Paul. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll do that in our in our housekeeping. Paul Schofield is coming in next. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. He died a few years ago. That's a hell but, of a booking. But he he likes this podcast so much. <laughs> oh, man, That's for all a season. <laughs> Our guest is actually humorist Dylan Brody, who is a fan of yours and a fan of the show. I'll be playing the part of Dylan Brody, and he'll for the be playing the podcast. <laughs> Welcome, Dylan. Well, thank Thanks you for, for having coming me. in. I will tell you. I should tell you how much of a fan I am of Gilbert. So I was Go ahead. He likes that yeah. in the outer room. <laughs> I when I was seventeen, I was starting to do stand-up comedy at open mics. Uh, I had learned from the movie Fame. That if you want to be a comic, what you do is you write five minutes and you go to the the Catch a Rising Star and you showcase and then you are a professional stand-up comic. Yes. <laughs> uh, because that's how it works in the real world. And I went into Catch a Rising Star just to see a show before I was going to showcase there. And it was, you know, the the lineup of comics and a few singers and Gilbert, you were on the, the lineup. And you were having a bit of a difficult time on stage. <laughs> Um, this is shocking. And uh, you, you did a thing that the audience was not for. You were annoyed with them. And you began to do what was clearly a Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Persig reference in which you were saying, OK, the jokes about the city are too big. I'll do jokes about just this building. Just this. I will do jokes about just this one brick on the wall. <laughs> and I will do that until you laugh. And nobody was coming with you. And abruptly you did something which I'm guessing was not wholly improvised, but I was young enough not to know the difference yet. You grabbed one of the open-backed chairs, draped it over your shoulders so that the, the legs of the chair were sticking up from your back, and you said, one day, Gregory woke up and found he was a brontosaurus. A Kafka <laughs> reference. How would he tell his wife? What would his friends think? Where would he buy suits? And I could not stop laughing for the remainder of the evening. It didn't matter what you said. You left the stage. Other people were up. I was still laughing at Kafka. Wow. And uh, I have been quoting it ever since. And now my wife quotes it. Uh, Anytime we feel entirely out of place and alienated from the world, she will turn to me and say, one day Gregory woke up. Isn't that nice? And uh, you, you did that at me. Although and it, to me. it was a Tyrannosaurus. It, are, those are the right? ones with the spikes <laughs> sticking up. No, no, you mean a Stegosaurus. Uh, oh, it could have been either one. T- well, it could have been, but I'm, I'm or, pretty sure you said the, Brontosaurus at the time, oh, but what do I know? Yeah. I, Does a T-Rex have to, spikes? Uh, the T-Rex, no. No, the, yeah. the T-Rex has the, the, the little tiny short right, arms. The, but the Stegosaurus would triceratops have spikes. And the Triceratops had three horns. Right. Yes, and the Stegosaurus had... Uh, That's where you look up synonyms. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In a Stegosaurus. Right. Yeah. Right. So you are you have the only comedy act in the world that freely references not only Kafka, but Norman Fell. <laughs> <laughs> that, my friends, is diversity. And you know what someone reminded me of? Wouldn't and it be weird if we knew what someone reminded you of? Yes. <laughs> that would be bizarre. Someone reminded me 
that when when I would do my Ben Gazzara yeah. bit, <laughs> that I would mention Tony, Tony Lobianco. Yes, I saw that. And I didn't bring that up to him. We should have. Now that now you're going to kick yourself. I got to get Tony back for a we, mini episode. Yeah, just to have him uh, sit right. in for that. Right. That's very funny. Because I got finally got John Amos to go, damn, damn, damn. Damn. A Good Times reference. We oh, had John Amos in very nicely done. The other night. But my, my, my question for you, and I do want to know this. Yes. <laughs> what were your first showcases like when it was the, the beginning of comedy in New York as, as we knew it in the 80s? Do you remember your early showcases yeah. at the main clubs? I, I forget the first one I went to. I, I always thought it was bit, Bitter End. But then I found out it wasn't that one. And I forget the name, but there was some club that you just went in and you wrote your name down. Right, the open mics. Yeah. And and they would have back then, it was not just later on it became just comedians. Back then it used to be comedians and singers. Right. right. And most of the real comedy clubs even did a comic and then a singer and then a comic and a singer and then... Yeah, and uh, like it, Pat Benatar started there. Patty Smythe. Oh well, Pat Benis, Pat Benatar was a waitress at the uh, at Catch. Oh yeah, and she was living in my old building on Eighty First Street. Oh wow. Yeah, and Rick Newman was managing her, I believe. Yes. 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 Weird. And interestingly, also managing your old building. That's strange. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was the janitor. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan is a humorist. He doesn't like to be called a comic. I, or he he made the journey from a I comic. I made the journey from comic yeah. to, to humorist. And now yeah. when I'm performing places, I tell the MC, please say that I'm a humorist and storyteller. Don't mention the word comic. Don't mention the word comedian. And they inevitably then go on stage and say, okay, so this next guy isn't a comic. He's, uh, no, don't, just don't tell him what I'm not. That's not a helpful intro at all. You open for David Sedaris on I occasion. Do. I you do all kinds him. of things. He's a very kind man. And I think I saw you at the George Carlin tribute in 2010. Yes, you would have I seen me. I was talking to Whoopi about that today. Did she host that event? She hosted it. I will tell you a thing. That's... I've been trying to actually get in touch with her because I want her to come to my show while I'm in town. Uh-huh. Uh, she won't. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I came off stage. I did a, a story that I've been doing for a long time about my brief interaction with George Carlin and uh, and my immortal dog of my childhood, who still roams upstate New York, uh, ownerless. And uh, I came off stage, and as I was walking off stage, Whoopi shook my head and, hand and said, uh, "That was brilliant. That was fantastic." And then went on stage and did a, a callback to my story and went on with the show. I had a, I had a very weird and and surreal night that night. Uh, I was friends with Ben Stiller when we were children. We both went to the same summer camp. He does not remember this. But uh, his mom came up to visit at one point, and Mira, and he said, she said, I, I would like to take you out to dinner, invite a friend. And he said, oh, I'd like to bring Dylan. And I was nine or ten, and I confused her by insistently asking questions about the Compass Players. And she was going, how do you know How do you know anything about the Compass players? What is wrong with you? You should be asking me questions about baseball cards and comic books. This is not <laughs> but right. But you were a comedy nerd. But I was a comedy right, nerd, right. and I knew Compass players. And, uh, right. And but so Shelly Shelley Berman and, on, yeah, and all those people. and Paul Dooley. Paul Dooley, we and, had him on the show. Uh, Paul Dooley, uh, I've worked with a bunch on was the- Was Paul Sand in the Compass players? I think I he was. I think he was. Or, he may or, not have come in until- or Second City. Second City, Second City. Yeah. But Paul Dooley and I worked together on the David Feldman show for a, a long time. David in, Feldman, in there's a LA. name. Oh, jeez. Yeah, you yeah. did a He's memorable episode now. of his podcast. Yes. 
Yes. yes David is a fan, a friend and a fan. <laughs> He's a friend. I don't know if he would approve of you declaring him a fan. He's a fan of Gilbert's, but oh, okay. possibly not mine. <laughs> I love David. And Carl Reiner is a fan of yours. Carl Reiner, what a sweetheart of a human. Isn't he? Uh, he gave me a blurb for my novel. I had I accidentally got him a copy of my novel. I, I, I had a manager who was deep in a midlife crisis spiral, and I did not yet know that's what was happening. He was playing make-believe with my career in very dangerous ways. And I got him my novel, and I said, uh, please read this. I know you don't read a lot of prose. Pretend it's a screenplay. Imagine that Carl Reiner plays the grandfather. And three weeks later, I called him and I said, hey, did you, did you read the, the novel? He said, what novel? And I said, I, the one I told you to read. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I got that to Carl Reiner like you wanted me to. And I said, okay, that's not what I said at all. Uh, what, what did he say? And he said, I don't know. I'll check in. And three days later, I get a postcard from Carl Reiner with – a totally usable blurb written on it. But I don't know if I'm allowed to use the blurb. So I call his office and I lie. And I say, I'm going to be in uh, Beverly Hills tomorrow. Can I take you out to lunch after a meeting? And he said, no, come by the house. So suddenly I'm in Carl Reiner's house, sitting in his living room, talking to him about, at one point in this conversation, I said, it's always a relief as it is today, when I meet one of my heroes and they turn out not to be a disappointment. Oh, you're welcome. Because he is like everybody else in <laughs> oh, show <Gilbert>. business. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with both of you. Yeah. You're, you're my hero yeah, just for the socks. It. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, he said, uh, oh, who was a disappointment? And I said, well, I, I worked for Steve Allen for a while in his office. And that was he was the first person to make me laugh at television. And he was old and angry and crazy. This was three or four years ago. And Carl said, oh, he was so nice to me and Mel. He made our first uh, two thousand right. year old man album. He produced it. He didn't take a piece of it. He just said it needed to be recorded. Reco- Boy, I hope when I get old, I'm not crazy and angry. Like Carl, you're you're 114. You're going to be fine. But he was good to you, and he was very good yeah. to me. And then he he got, he had galleys of his children's book, and he sat down on the couch with me, and he read me his children's book and pointed things out in the picture. That's nice. It was like having my grandfather back for yeah. a minute. He's a gentleman. He so, sang a scenario. Yeah. Oh. He sang yeah. an aria, and yeah. then he sang some Irish folk song. He wanted to be an Irish tenor when he was a kid. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. And he was surprisingly good. I, I would not, I'm not surprised yeah. by that. He comes from an era in show business, because he was a performer as well yeah. as a writer. You know, he was on your show of shows sure, of as a performer. And that was a time in show business when you didn't go in just because you were funny or just because you could act. You had to learn how to sing, and you had to do a little soft show. Absolutely. And he did impressions. Had, too. Did he yeah, really? He did impressions yeah, when he was in back, the army. Back then, they did everything. Yeah, like so. Any performer you watched, they, you know, you knew they could dance. You knew they could sing. Have you ever seen the movie Damsel in Distress? No. Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers. Uh, I don't. No, it's not. It's Fred Astaire and some other woman. I don't remember who it is. And then George Burns and Gracie Allen. Oh yes. And they dance together. Right. Yeah. That's right. And well, it's they did the that in only movie. With Fred Astaire dancing where you're not watching him. Yeah. Because George dancing next to Fred is so relaxed. You know, Fred is is dancing with absolute precision and perfection, and George is dancing like it's a conversation. Well, he was a hoofer. Yeah. You know, they did all that stuff in vaudeville. Yeah. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. And now back to the show. So here's a here's a uh, a strange turn in direction. Oh, good. Danny Duraney, our mutual pal, 
yes. who put us together. Yes. And and uh, a fine a fine man who told me that I should say hello to you. By the way, both he is a fine man. A, he came in here and guy. we we talked about Bob Hope's uh, decrepitude ah. <laughs> with him for a, <laughs> for a good the, half an hour. The, the classic Christmas. Special. Have you seen the Bob Hope Christmas special, the Jack Frost that we discussed with Danny? No, oh, well, I, you're oh, in for no. a treat. Is you, that the one? Is that the one that Dana Gould was on? No, no, I, no. We're he, gonna you, you'll see. Okay, he, I'll look they for it. dress him up as. They, as as Frost, as Jack Frost, I was about to say David Frost. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very different special. That's totally different. <laughs> they they dress him up in this scary outfit as Jack Frost, and Bob Hope looks like he died ten years before. Right. Yeah. 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 It, we'll send it to you. It's horrifying. It's life changing. Oh, I look forward to this. We'll send with, it to you with eager anticipation and bated breath. But he said he said you had a uh, you had a strange obsession with with uh, bad superhero stuff from the nineteen seventies. There was a thing that had yes, like there six a, million dollar man thing, or what are we talking about? Just Gemini post, man. Yes, Gemini man, man from Atlantis. You remember these, Gil? With Patrick oh. Duffy, the man from Atlantis. Oh. Ben Murphy, I believe, ben was Murphy Gemini Man. Smith and Jones. Oh, Elias Smith Man. and Jones, I loved. Yeah, too. with Pete Duell. Not, not, not. Well, but only for like two seasons. Like well, they Pete Duell shot Pete himself. Duel, yeah. Ch- yeah. Oh, is that what happened? He shot himself. He was just playing around. Yeah. And, and and I think it was a blank, but blanks are dangerous. Yeah. And he put it right against his head and said, "Oh, this shows too much. I'm gonna kill myself." And he, he did. Pull the trigger and. Yeah, blanks are dangerous. It's wow. not like in the movies where they shoot at each other with blanks and it's okay. Wow. Uh, I did not know that. All I yeah. knew was that as a kid, suddenly there was a different guy in the role. And I was like, what, the, what happened? Oh, right. That's that... right. That's right. They had to, well, yeah, because yeah. the show was still on and they had to replace him. So you watched these, I, these 70s, these sort of cheese the ball 70s. I had been a comic book reader mm-hmm. from the time I was very young. Us too. I, yeah, you, 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 that's what you did. You read comic books and Were imagined. Were you a DC guy or a Marvel guy? I, first I was DC and then I grew into Marvel. Mm-hmm. And Me too. There was a point at which I realized, although I didn't have this language for it yet, I realized that all the superhero comics were ultimately fascist fantasy. That all you needed was to be able to be stronger and more violent than the evil people, and then you could work your will on. And that upset me dreadfully. And then Six Million Dollar Man came out, and sure. also there was another one that wasn't exactly a superhero show called It Takes a Thief. Oh yeah, well that was with, in the sixties yeah. with uh, Robert Wagner. But they were somehow rerunning it. And I Fred think, Astaire. At a certain, oh. That's oh, right. That's right. <laughs> and, were, and what was what was her name? The actress. And it takes a thief. It takes a thief had an actress. Yes, didn't they have oh, an gosh. actress? Oh gosh, I'm only thinking of Malachi Throne was on it. I think they had a, a different Astaire. actress every week because oh, he was okay. a. Astaire. He oh, was and, a, and, I could and, be wrong though. And I should uh, before I forget. I used to jerk off to Betty and Veronica. Oh, who among us yeah. didn't? <laughs> Wait, what does that have to do with anything? Well, it's what comic were you talking books about and, comic okay, books? Okay. And, and before we got too far away from it, yeah, you want to you want to yeah. touch on I that? I don't want so to leave speak. out important not, information. Not little Doc, yeah. she didn't do it for you. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to bury the headline. <laughs> <laughs> 
So little you, dot was for a little uh, dot. Yeah, oh, Harvey comics. Yeah. Everything had to have for, dots on it. Yeah. So you went from comic I books went, to I, the six million dollar men. I realized that the comics were all inherently fascist. That there was just something wrong with them. But because of the the way television was evolving into a, a sort of a liberal you, you medium, you know what was a fascist comic book. Little Hitler. Little Hitler. Yeah, 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 I hated that, that one. one. I believe it was. Yeah. I believe it was Lil. <laughs> Lil, Lil Hitler. 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 Yeah. Lil Hitler. Yeah. And the Mussolini <laughs> kids. <laughs> K I D Z. <laughs> Lil Hitler. Very funny. Nice. Uh, they uh, the the TV shows were all ultimately nonviolent. You know, um, even Steve Austin, whose thing was strength, yeah. he would throw a person rendering them unconscious he wouldn't right. actually punch them you know <laughs> okay um, did you watch the six million dollar man uh yes yeah there was now a- here's something that gets me in every movie and tv show if the good guy is facing a bad guy and the bad guy's a big hulk uh, who could kill him with one finger yes by snapping his neck yes he won't kill him he'll pick him up and throw him Yes. And 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 this you bothers can, you. And yes, and if you're a good guy, you could get thrown a hundred feet up in the air, smack against the wall, hit the ground, shake your head, and then he lumbers over to you again and picks you up and throws you again. Yes, and you're still fine and yes. you don't do anything until you have wiped your lip and seen blood on your hand. Yeah, then and you, then you are you incredibly strong. Right. That's correct. And and it's like these are guys who could kill the yes. good guy with no effort at all. Well, that's what that that turn is in Indiana Jones when he waits for the propeller to take the guy out. Because it's it's he, that is that movie oh, right. is all about messing with all of those cliches, all those fight cliches right. from from television right, right, right. And, and movies of the seventies and eighties. And you know, do you know Dusty Springfield recorded a theme song for the Six Million Dollar Man that wasn't used? I did not that know tri- that. Isn't that good trivia? Is it possible to find it somewhere? I don't know. Can we somehow put that music under the footage of Bob oh, Hope doing... Yes, <laughs> sure. oh, that would be good. <laughs> sure. Now, and who was the bionic woman? Uh, Lindsay Wagner. Lindsay oh, Wagner as cute. Jamie she's still Summers. With us. Oh, very cute. she's she she was very cute. And my understanding is she's a genuinely decent human. That's nice to wow. hear. Everybody I hear about who's ever worked with her says, Oh, she's wonderful. We'll call her up. Please so, do. So you watch and, the six million dollar man. And then send her to me and something distracting for my wife. <laughs> and you no. watched Man from Atlantis. Did you watch oh, all of these? Man things? from Atlantis, yeah. And Gemini Man. Gemini Man was uh, essentially the, the Invisible Man. He was a motorcycle riding secret agent. Yes, yes. but he could turn <laughs> invisible. He could turn invisible for Gilbert <laughs> loves his uh, premise for a very specific. I think it was twenty minutes per twenty-four right. hour right. period. Right. Never any specificity on whether it somehow resets at midnight or, or, or he the, would die. Or he would uh, no, right. or he would remain invisible forever. Oh, that's right. That's right. And he had the first ever we had seen digital watch. That's right. Which in itself made him very, very interesting to me. And they had, in this desperate attempt to create suspense where there genuinely was none, they would have a woman always who was his partner with a watch that was counting down his twenty minutes. <laughs> Because he was in the office while the cleaning lady was there, and he had three minutes left to be invisible before. But, you know, the first digital clock I ever saw 
was in a movie from the 30s, and it was uh, wow. Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff and David Manners in The Black Cat. Impressive. Yeah. Wow. They had a digital clock there. But was it a, the kind where the, the numbers The type where the turn? wheel turned yeah. around. I love yeah. that movie, by the way. Oh, that it's movie is so pure camp. strange. Yeah. It's I fun. Have, I have and, no memory of the yeah, clock in it. it and it, it's one of those movies makes no sense at all, and it, <laughs> and it just makes it better. Did you know that The Man from Atlantis was produced by the live-action arm of Hanna-Barbera? I did not also, know that. Also good trivia. I wonder now, if they were planning to do a spin-off cartoon if it worked well. Possibly. Now, where would the fall guy fall into any of this not a it, superhero it, no it came uh also it was later it was yeah. you know 10 years later maybe uh but it had the feel of the 70s superhero shows because it had that same sense of people who are doing something other than actually committing violence they're faking violence yeah. to solve the problem oh, same thing the hulk the when hulk, the hulk right, caught sure. a villain that's a good example he'd throw him Th- in the air and there was always conveniently either uh, uh, a hay, a, a hayloft hay, hay there, <laughs> or, or there'd be a lake. A bouncy house. Yes, Some, a bouncy house. <laughs> <laughs> or, or for no apparent reason, castle. for no apparent reason, a, a business establishment that had a huge collection of empty cardboard boxes yes, behind it. Yes, right. in, in, right. the, in the... Um, alleyway that popped up in every single <laughs> TV correct. show. Stack some boxes here. The Hulk's yeah. going to throw somebody. Loads of empty cardboard boxes. I loved, and this is a little off topic, but on Mission Impossible, and then they did it sometimes, I think, on Six Million Dollar Man as well, the, he would be in uh, Western European, uh, Eastern European countries, and they would have signs written in English, but with K's where there should be C's. Oh. <laughs> Or yes, yes. Backward R, just to make it look a little bit as though it would, we're not even bothering to pretend that we're in a different country. We we're should just... get Lee Majors and also Richard Anderson, who played Oscar Goldman, oh, is still oh, around. Yeah, yeah. you should. should. We should do a six million dollar man. Did you watch these other ones? Did you watch? You watch Man from Atlantis, which was on NBC. Oh yeah, and my favorite thing about Man from Atlantis is that there was. And I, even as a kid, I wondered, do they just keep using the same footage? Because there was always a scene in which he's underwater looking at the woman who's the liaison yeah. to him through a glass panel. And so she's talking and he's just underwater doing this through the whole scene because he can't talk. <laughs> yeah. Did they just shoot that once or did they go back every week and make Probably him go underwater once. and do the he same thing? He had to thing? shave his body. He had to shave, oh. his, he had to shave his entire body, Patrick. I, who was the part. guy who played Christ? Was that Jeffrey Hunter? Jeffrey Hunter. Yeah. He, I or Max heard, von Sydow. Yeah. <laughs> this was Jeffrey Hunter. He had to shave his body and especially shave his armpits for the crucifixion scene. Because we know, <laughs> we know Jesus was, in fact, uh, yeah. hairless. No armpit and, hair yeah. on, the, cru- on wow. the cross. Wow. Did you know the Gemini Man, which was on in 1976... And you, uh, only only five episodes aired, so I'm surprised you remember Is it that so, right? so vividly. Um, it, it, the Invisible Man with David McCallum was on at the same time. It was on at the same time, and it was yeah. equally bad. Yeah, or maybe they were. Yeah, maybe they were a couple of months apart. And I Music remember by Henry Mancini, though. when yeah. that Invisible Man was coming on in the TV guide, they were saying. Oh, it's the special effects are so much more advanced. 
And the special effects in the Claude Rains version was so much better yeah. than the ones in the in, TV In 1935. Show. Yes. Yeah. The, all the television special effects from the 70s and 80s were just awful. Yeah. Were, yes. And it's part of why I, I never really enjoyed the, the Marvel comics Oh, that TV was so horrible. Oh, terrible. The, there, was, there was a Spider-Man yeah, version done with the grown-up kid from uh, Sound of Music. Yeah, Nicholas Hammond. And Nicholas Hammond, good call. Yeah. They could never get the costume right they, on no. Spider-Man. They no. couldn't get the costume. And then it was just, they'd, they'd show the bad guy, and then they'd show Spider-Man, and he'd do the hand gesture, and then they'd cut to the bad guy and throw a net made of that's nylon right. rope at him. <laughs> right? That's that's not how it's supposed to work. I showed. I, I was watching it through the eyes of somebody who who didn't grow up in that generation. I showed it to my nephew. It was over. The, my my nephew was ten at the time, and I was showing him that yes. bad Spider Man for the seventies. He couldn't believe it. He thought it was a comedy sketch. Yeah, it, it was. The piece and people took this seriously. It was so absurd. And I remember at the same time, like I don't know if it was like Sesame Street or something, would do like throwing a Spider Man character. And it was so much better than the TV show. (laughs) The costume, the movements. Now, do you remember any of these, Dylan? We're going to quiz you. Do you remember Manimal? Yes, I had Manimal in the very first, the the night that I got in at the Improv. I'm 17 years old, auditioning at the Improv. uh, And I opened by saying, uh, good evening, I'm so glad to be here. And I'm so glad you guys had... uh, the courage to to come out here on a night when you could be at home watching Manimal. Oh, it's a good it joke. It was my opening line. Good punchline. Narration by William Conrad. Oh, my God. Do you, do you remember yes. Manimal? Yes. Starring yes, the, could, the immortal Simon McCorkendale. He could turn, <laughs> his his special talent was that he could turn into any animal. He was yes. a shapeshifter. He could yes, turn into yes. any animal <laughs> by, by having a close-up of his eye. Oh, yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Only eight episodes of Manimal. Really? Aired. Now, there was also a TV show called Werewolf. Was there? I don't remember. Yeah, there was. What era are we talking about? Uh, not Lucan, not the boy who was raised by the oh, wolves. Oh, Lucan. No, you remember no, Lucan? Was, yeah. there was a show called Werewolf. You got me. Yeah. All right, we'll put our listeners on it. How about this one, Dylan? The Powers of Matthew Starr. Does this mean anything to you? Was With Lou he- Gossett. Was he the son of Starman? He was a t- he was a high school student. He was from another planet. Gilbert yes. loves these premises. Yes, <laughs> I do remember this. He lived with a school janitor who was played by Lou Gossett. I believe I may be wrong. There was a, a movie that I think was called Starman uh, about a, an alien, and I think well, Starman is a Jeff Brid- a good Jeff Bridges. Uh, I think, John Carpenter. Movie. Yes, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. I think this was the movie, the TV series that was made because that oh, movie really? had come out. I may be wrong. Now, now, Starman, if we're talking about the Jeff Bridge, Jeff yeah. Bridges yeah. and Karen Allen, good flick. And I remember a Karen a uh, uh, Deuce Chill video that they put out <laughs> at the time with. Uh, Jeff Bridges, to tie in with the movie, Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen singing to each other romantically, dream, 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 dream. And you got douche chills from this? Yes. You got to look this up. (laughs) You got to look it up. Okay. Okay. And I want you all the time, and I need you. You know, it's a B-movie, but he gives a brilliant performance. He is good. He is a terrific yeah, actor. Even though he hates me. Well, we'll Why get into that another time. You? Okay. Do you know who what was on The Powers of Matthew Starr? Who? James Karen. 
Oh my God! You're a buddy. He was. He, I I love James Karen. Has he done the show? Yes. He has done the you show. Know James he was Karen great. If you saw him. We'll he, show him to you. He was the uh, Pathmark man years ago. He's okay, in Poltergeist. He's, he's the, he's oh, the guy yeah, that yeah, sells yeah, them yeah, the yeah. house. He's yeah, the realtor. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah. He's like, there was a time period where there wasn't a movie where he wasn't there in a business suit. Right. He was in um, a, a Sunday. Um, in the Park with any, George. Oh, Any Given Sunday. Uh, that's a very different movie. Without right. Pacino. That's right. That's right. Here's one more for you. One more for Dylan. me. Dylan, and if you know this one, I'll be really impressed. Auto Man. This is the 80s now. I've jumped. Auto Man, yes. Another it Glenn was, Larson show. Uh, yeah, he. I believe he turned into a car. He was a cop's partner. <laughs> well, and something, something like something that. Something like that. There was Tron-like glowing. It was a Tron knockoff. Yes. Speaking of Jeff yes. Bridges. Uh, there were, there were, uh, he had a lot of pinstriping. Starring Desi Arnaz Jr. Desi Arnaz Jr., that's what it was, yeah. Because if you want to spin off Tron, some, get me Desi Arnaz Jr. Yeah, he, he was a, an android who was connected to his car. He was, he was an AI. He was an artificial intelligence uh, being uh, he, well the plus, the premise is uh, Desi Arnaz creates an AI crime fighting program that generates a hologram and he leaves the computer at night to fight crime right 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 there it has go. to be at night because it was all about how he glowed correct the whole the, yeah. the whole show <laughs> auto man you don't remember any of these shows do you not auto man that was in 1983 wow. it aired 13 times i only I, I don't think i watched more than 2 episodes of it right but it's the kind of show that i would have been so excited about that i would have seen it and then been disappointed and if it was 83 yeah then i was already old enough to have at least some sense of Taste and decor. Well, I cheated because you said 70s, but I you jumped. You know what? That's Wasn't okay. a superhero show. Yes, I do. Yes. Petticoat Junction. Yes. <laughs> You're right. I mean, <laughs> in mid-70s, uh, more clues. Night Gallery. Oh, yeah. Night yes. Gallery, so. to me, was one of those shows that had, if you wanted to know everything that was wrong, with 70s television. See, I liked Night Gallery. Yeah. Maybe they were, I was too a, young. They had a handful of them that were good, but boy. Some of them were moody. Yeah. It Some was, of them were so bad. It was trying so hard to be noir. Yes. And failing well, so until, badly to, to do so. to walk in the Twilight Zone's footsteps, which was yeah. impossible. As long as we're on, on that kind of thing. Do you remember Harry O? Sure, with David Jansen. Came out the same year as Rockford Files. Yeah, right, that right. was trying to be like, yeah, that was a, definitely a film noir. It thing. was, it was, yeah, and I loved it. I watched it. Oh, I this, and then Rockford Files stayed on, and Harrio went away. And and the rumor about David Jansen. All those years was... Is this like a Danny Thomas no, thing? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> no David Jansen... He wouldn't do that to you. ...would lie under a glass... Stop! Table. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, they played Danny Boy while yeah, he was like... Yeah. No, but they would... <laughs> there was the belief going around at that time that David Jansen was the illegitimate son of Clark Gable. Oh, yes. I've heard yeah. that. We talked about this on a previous yeah. show. Oh, I love this yeah. rumor. Not sure yeah. it's true. I would like to spread a rumor that I am the illegitimate son of David Jansen. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Go for it. 
And you I'm the illegitimate son of Chuck Connors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've heard that. I see Everybody's the resemblance saying. between you and Chuck Connors. And what they used to do on Night Gallery, they'd have these blackouts like for like that were like of Love American, love American style. style yes. yes. And they would, I don't know how many times they would pull the gag of a guy dressed up as Dracula and he'd be at the blood bank. And that was like the big joke. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get Arnold Margolin, the, uh, who's, uh, who wrote the Love American style theme and created the show. Yeah. One of the things that makes me feel most loved on a podcast is when the hosts discuss throughout it who else they should get on the show. <laughs> and, and play. You know, we do that on every show. This though. is vaguely interesting, but you know who we should really get is somebody. We, we do that on every show. <laughs> I would like to see some of those old Love American styles. Now. No, you They're wouldn't. not holding up. No, no, no. they do not hold up. They, there is so much television that does not hold up. Yes. Now. You watch and you go, what were what were we as oh, a society? Yeah. Oh. Have you ever tried to watch an episode of Welcome Back, Cotter? No, oh, no. sir. Oh, <laughs> my God. I, down I that had trouble watching it when it was Me on. Me too. So. See, Me I, too. I'm, I think, four years, five years younger than you are, I think. And I wa- was young enough that when it came on, I was just pleased to see someone doing Marx Brothers. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, he was a big Groucho guy. And, yeah, and, 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 and the show was structured name? as Mark Robert Brothers. Hedges was doing Chico. Yeah, only he he talked and laughed. Yeah. And um, no, Ron Polillo. Oh uh, no, no. Uh, Robin yeah, Hedges. Yeah, uh, uh, Epstein. Epstein. Yeah. Oh, Epstein. Go, hey, oh, right. Epstein was doing Chico. Right. Hey, Ron Polillo was doing Harpo. That's right. right. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ron Polillo was doing a Harpo thing all the time. And what I love, both of them. Both those actors died in the same year, yep. and the Emmys was able to save time and money by showing one clip <laughs> from Welcome Back, Carter, and it covered both of them. They were both in the clip. By the way, Joshua Rolda's Margaret Dumont was underrated <laughs> on that show. <laughs> Where can people find out about you? Go to DylanBrody.com. You can follow me at Twitter at... Dylan Brody. You can go to my Facebook page at The Dylan Brody. You can buy all of my five CDs from Stand Up Records at uh, Amazon. And you do a lot. You write novels and you open I for do. David Sedaris and you do a lot of cool Just shit. Just find me. Come see me. I enjoy people. Good. You guys are fun. Thank you for coming and talking to us Thank about you. a bunch of nonsense. Thank you for sitting in a small room with me on a sweaty day in New York. We've enjoyed it. Give our love to Danny. I will indeed. I'm going to call him right after this and say that I don't think they hated me. And this has all. been Gilbert and Frank's Amazing Colossal Obsessions. Once again, recorded at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Berterosa. Thank you, Frank Berterosa. I'd be glad I didn't bring up Electra Woman and Dynagram. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> she was a, a retired alcoholic superhero, and Dinah Girl worshipped her and wanted her to get back into the it business. It was and weird. Yeah. Thanks, Dylan. Thank you. Colossal Obsessions.